identity is such a weird thing. Like, I feel like for me, like I, I, for a time, I wanted to be like Kitty and I didn't want to be myself. It was like an escapism. So it was a way for me to kind of not deal with trauma in my personal life, kind of shelf that for a bit and then just focus on growing into the best person I could be through through Kitty. So for me, my stage persona really like helped me mm. in, in a very deep sense in my life and to, to help me heal from things. touring pole dancer, aerialist, and booty-shaking princess of everything sparkly, sexy, and fun. Kitty's usually dangling 10 feet in the air as a unicorn mermaid somewhere, so she was obviously the person to talk to about fantasy. Do all performers create a fantasy version of ourselves? And is this something that helps you in other parts of your life? This is a great chat about identity, creativity, and everything in between. If you enjoy the show and would like to help me keep making it, you can support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash shandoxy. You can buy the pot of coffee or give us a shout out on social media. Thank you, friends. For now, here's Kitty. Hello, Kitty. Thank you so much for being a guest on this show. I am starting this podcast because in the very like chaotic time that I've been doing pole dancing, as a student, I've just seen it like make people's lives better super quickly. And you're someone who's used pole to make this incredible like life and career for yourself as a dancer, as an instructor and an all round creative person, but also used it to completely flip the script on perceptions of female sexuality and marginalized groups, including sex workers. And yeah, generally create this just really fun, empowering, sexy space for people to play in. So I'm super stoked to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Let's start at the very beginning. What was it that first made you want to be a dancer? I think this is quite a good question because a lot of people ask me how I got into dancing and pole dancing, but not like why why I decided to choose that. And I was thinking about it. Um, I think I was always really drawn to images of dancers. I used to really like pictures of like ballerinas and um, I had this... Um, it's like a famous photograph of these ballet dancers in um, the window and they're like looking over like the city 
And I had that as like one of my first things that I bought for my room when I was a teenager. And I just liked that they were like quite soft in their tutus, but also like their legs were like big. They had like strong legs. And I've always been kind of quite fascinated with that soft but strong kind of juxtaposition. But also I think the way dancers hold themselves it's like you can transform your body by the the shapes that you make. I think there's a lot of power in the shapes that we make and they kind of like transcend themselves into these like beautiful ethereal creatures. And that's something that I was like, I want to have access to that. How do I do that? Um, so I've always kind of been drawn to, to dancers in that way. And that's kind of how I feel like when I dance and I'm doing all these bendy shapes is that no matter the doubts or the kind of, fears when I'm in those shapes I always feel really beautiful and I think that's Mm. what I what I love about dancing and what made me want to pursue that I think. If you want to hear the whole backstory of how Kitty got into pole performance and stripping you can listen to her solo episode on the Pussy Parlor podcast which has the entire the lore (laughs) the legend (laughs) (laughs) the full story (laughs) you worked in strip clubs for a while and it's the thing I love about your classes that they're so um overtly like pole and stripping do go hand in hand not every pole dancer is a stripper and not every stripper is a pole dancer but it has that legacy how much of strip club culture either from your own experiences dancing in clubs or strip pubs um or from Instagram strippers, how much does that come into your performances and teaching? Yeah, I think like my style is definitely shaped and was cemented by my time as a stripper. I'd be really curious to see what kind of dance I would have been if I hadn't done that, if I'd gone like mm. a different way. But um, I think things like the the facial expressions and the use of touch and stage presence and like playing for time kind of like biding your time because you had to do so many dances (laughs) and like dancing through your tricks as well rather than just like ta-da here's a move and then fall out of it (laughs) you had to kind of like dance your way through everything um but yeah I think I think a lot of that stuff like I definitely think of myself as a stripper style dancer but there are aspects of it now that I'm not really as in touch with like I don't really do lap like I can teach lap dancing but I just haven't done it for so long and it's not really like (laughs) I'm not there's not the bit that I'm as passionate about so I feel like it's better for someone who maybe is doing that now or practices that more to kind of Mm. do that and the same with like actual stripping like taking off clothes like I just love to start semi-naked in my ass I'm just really (laughs) lazy I'm like I can't be bothered to take this coat off I'm just gonna start naked Maximum efficiency. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Um, I remember taking a workshop with you where we were doing heel bangs and you just explained like, listen, in a club, this has a function. This is like, look at my vagina, asshole. It's, (laughs) there'll be too many other girls. You have to get someone's attention somehow to get a tip. So you just use whatever like tech you have available. Yeah, absolutely. It's, those are what, (laughs) those are my favorite moves. The straddle bangs. Um, when you hit your heels behind your head on the floor, it's just that ultimate symbol of taking up space and mm. power. And when else do you get to do that? <laughs> just bang <laughs> your heels on the floor randomly. <laughs> I feel like we need to keep that element of playfulness and almost like messiness mm. within pole as well, because that's kind of what makes it really raw and some of the best things come out of being experimental and not 
taking yourself too seriously. So I think sometimes, especially students in classes, put so much pressure on themselves that they have to be doing like the latest tricks and they have to be training and they have to be doing this. And it's like, just have fun. Like this is your hobby. (laughs) I think I've noticed about your workshops and classes is that people come really glammed up and dressed up and they're wearing sparkly boots and makeup and they're obviously having fun. Is this something that you encourage when you're teaching and do you think it helps people dance better? Yeah, it's funny because I I do obviously encourage it, but then quite a lot of times when I teach workshops, I don't say that you have, you you know, to dress up but people always dress up anyway I think it's because they know that like I like to dress up so this is a safe space to be as extra as possible but I remember once I taught a workshop and it wasn't even like a striptease workshop or anything but like a couple of the students came with like pasties and then just at the end like we weren't doing striptease stuff but they were just like whacking their boobs wow they just knew that like I would be cool with it and I'd be fine with it even though it wasn't anything related to what we were doing But I just, I like that people feel like with me that they can do that and they feel like it's a safe space to do that because I guess there aren't really that many spaces where, um, you know, you can just like get your boobs out and, you know, it doesn't matter if a flat falls out. And yeah, I think absolutely dressing up is a huge part of the mindset shift, mm. especially like the heels. I think putting on the stripper shoes just makes you, for me anyway, it just makes me switch into that mindset of like, I am that bitch. (laughs) Just instantly, it's like magic. Do you think pole is this kind of perfect halfway house in some ways where people can start to explore that sensual side of themselves and also still be a bit of a repressed British person and not freak out? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's, It's a space where you can explore that safely and experiment with that, um, you know, with no pressure. And it isn't always safe to do it outside of those spaces because you don't know if someone is going to take advantage of that or take it out of context of what you wanted it to be. So it, it is really healthy, I think, to have a space where you can explore that. Mm. And it's very like cathartic as well to just kind of like let go of your inhibitions in this space and then you can carry on with your prudish life <laughs> afterwards if you want to. <laughs> That's why I talk about as well, like touching and um, touching yourself, your pussy, your magic is very symbolic of reclaiming your bodily autonomy and a lot of us do need to kind of reclaim that in our lives because there's been so many moments where it's been um not with our consent so that's why it's really powerful even just doing that like a class like that just doing it once is so Mm. life-changing because there are not other spaces where you can do that what is the live show that you've been part of that you've enjoyed the most this is such a hard question. Like, how can I just pick one? I really like performing in um, Spiegel tents, you know, like the yeah. um, at festivals, um, they have the big circus tents, which I love because it just feels really oldie worldy to perform in something like that. And like, yeah, very circus vibes. Mm. Um, performed in a birdcage once in LA. That was quite a unique experience. Was it, was it weird? <laughs> it was, yeah, because they were like, we have this birdcage, you can do a show on it, but I'd never been on it before. So I only <laughs> went on it like that day. <laughs> and I was like, I'll just make some things up and just dance around. 
So that was like the ultimate freestyle. Um, but wow, was, it was very cool because it came from the ceiling. So it was like fixed into the ceiling. So you couldn't see it. And then it would like come out of the ceiling and then drop down. It was very cool. Wow. <laughs> um, so that was, was probably one of the more unique ones. But honestly, I really enjoyed the show that I did with the Bit and Peach recently. Maybe because I haven't performed for such a long time, but also I had a bit of a period of time where I was doing a lot of shows and I just didn't really enjoy it because I didn't feel very prepared and I was like just freestyling and doing the same things over and over. And um, I felt like I was really prepared for this. I'd done this act a lot of times, so it was like more polished. And I just felt like good about it. Whereas for a long time, I just felt really shit about all my shows. I was like, oh, they're just all the same and they're not creative enough or interesting enough. So yeah, I feel like as I get more experienced, I get more more polished with my performances. I wanted to ask, with The Bitten Peach, um, is part of what makes that one, um, I don't know, emotional or more interesting in that it connects with your heritage as well? Yeah, I think it's quite just empowering in itself to be in a, an all-Asian cast and, like, even the crew are, like, Asian as well, like, the tech and the music and everything. It's just really nice. Like, I don't real, you don't really realise how much, like, I needed that, mm. that space um, because you know that all the people there kind of have the similar kind of identity backgrounds going, going through life. So, yeah, being half Filipino and being like the only Asian person in quite a lot of spaces. Um, it's just nice to be with other people, that kind of camaraderie of, of us together. And and like Lily um, Snatch Dragon said some really nice things when she was on stage about how it's okay to, to be Asian and be sexy and be Asian and be a stripper or a pole dancer or a drag queen. And I was like, mm. no one's ever said that before. <laughs> I didn't realise how much I needed to hear that because I think there's a lot of pressures from... Um, culturally from Asian mm. backgrounds that you have to be a certain way for sure. I feel like it's been kind of in the news as well like Samantha Sun was writing on Instagram about um, <laughs> I say the news that it's like on the BBC no on my Instagram feed of pole dancers. <laughs> the Instagram news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, it's quite challenging to reconcile the things that come from fetishization within Asian communities to flip the script of, on that and make it an empowering thing. Yeah, I think something that Samantha spoke about before is um, are we perpetuating the um, kind of sexualization of Asian women by being so overtly sexual? But it's not like on us to to stop people it's it you know we can't control how people look at us and I don't think that we should not be our authentic selves because someone else mm. is going to sexualize or fetishize us that's not our fault um so I think it is quite a hard thing to to navigate um but that's that's why I think it is really important for people to know like yeah if you're if you have an Asian identity you can still do everything that you want to do you don't have to be constricted I think there's a little bit more pressure that you have to be like um because of the model minority and like you have to be a kind of mm. role model for your community because you're a minority community so there's all these kind of other things that come into play but I think it's really important to have these spaces where we we can kind of dispel these myths. There is such a distinctive like kitty velour signature style which is really glittery uses loads of like creative playful details I love how much you lean into 
girly stuff as well. There's like the ponies, the kitties, or the pink. When you're preparing a new routine, where do you find the inspirations? Are they, is it a similar process or are they all different? I feel like I'm constantly in a bit of a dream state. Like my head's are just, my head is always in the clouds. I don't know if I'm like always on the same frequency as everyone else on earth. <laughs> so, That's probably not a bad thing given earth at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I live in my little bubble of kitty land. And um, yeah, I think with music, like when I listen to music, I often like fantasize and I'll like see colors or like details of like what I might be wearing or the moves that I would be doing. And I think a lot of people don't allow themselves to like daydream and just kind of like drift off. And that's such an important part of like um, creation, I think, is allowing yourself to just like go wild with your imagination. So I always Mm. like I'm quite a natural like daydreamer, like visualizer of things in my mind. Um, But yeah, I love like fairy tales and like I'm quite inspired by like folklore and I love like mystical things you know like the unicorns and the mermaids and the fairies Mm. um and I also really love drag and I love the cabaret community and I'm always inspired by how just outrageously extra everyone is like the bold colors because when you see other people doing things in a bold way it kind of give you gives you like permission to to do that as well so I've kind of like always been in that kind of queer scene and been around that kind of like imagery and Mm. So normally when I'm making a routine, not always this way around, sometimes it's a different way around, but um, I'll like listen to the song and like imagine what, what colours is quite a big thing for me, like what colour would my outfit be? Most of the time it's pink, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. No one's ever said that to me before. It's like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I really see what colours um, would like fit the mood of the song and then... Um, then I'll normally make like a Pinterest board, which is my excuse for saying that I'm working, but (laughs) actually I think I'm just having a jolly good time. (laughs) Reblogging pretty pictures of mermaids. (laughs) But yeah, I always make a Pinterest board. I thoroughly recommend that, especially like if you're, if you find it hard to visualize, it can get it like out of your brain into something um which you can kind of see and you can see what things like go together but yeah I feel like costume is quite important to me because I feel like that's a part of the spectacle and Mm. it kind of um yeah it's part of the whole like illusion as well so like the steps of it are the song is the first thing and then kind of colors and then the visual stuff comes together that's quite a lot of stuff before you've even started dancing yeah (laughs) it's true yeah yeah I think the concept has to kind of like come together first and then I kind of pick the moves that are gonna gonna go with it yeah and have you since you started performing have you always worked that way or is it something that became a set of habits I don't know actually I feel like because people sometimes ask me about my style and like how did I develop a style but I always just say that I just do the things that I like like I just wear the things that I feel attracted to Mm. um like now I'm thinking of this routine for like um it's like a money fairy routine so that kind of started more with the color because I was like oh I've got these green boots I've not really done a green look before and I was like green makes me think of money and I was like maybe Mm. I'll get some money print maybe I'll get a money gun (laughs) (laughs) what songs are about money so it kind of went from the color that way that time rather than the song 
Wow. Oh my God. I'm stoked for this. Also, please, can you be on UK Drag Race? Because <laughs> it, it, it feels like the way a drag performer creates like a persona and a story. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I get, I'm, I'm just really surprised by how like the dancing is sort of the last thing on the list <laughs> yeah. to bring it together. <laughs> yeah, I feel like because the dancing is probably one of the hardest parts. So I like to kind of have a bit of a concept before and then I can spend like a huge chunk of time on the on the dancing. Do you feel like you've ever bombed as a pole pole performer or a stripper in the way that like if a comedian completely dies have you had that experience (laughs) I feel like I've done shows before where I feel like the audience really didn't get it and they just (laughs) were they just weren't on the same level I remember I did do a show it was it was at like this sex party but it was like quite a lot of older people and like I was doing some like straddle bang things and the guy, one of like a man came up to me afterwards. He was like, "Were you okay when you were doing that? Like, do we need oh, to no. call the ambulance?" And I was <laughs> like, "Oh, he just doesn't get it. He thinks I maybe like fell or something." Oh no! <laughs> and wait, so so you were doing something quite like sort of arty or quite yeah, out just there? something. So just like a big basically what we were talking about before, like the straddle bang move where I hit my heels on the floor. And mm. I did like a few of those, but I just don't think they really got like why I was doing that. It didn't really resonate with them. Whereas mm. when audiences do get it, it kind of, it just is magic. Like when they feel that it is a very empowering thing. If someone doesn't get it, then it's just a bit awkward. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've done shows like that where I feel like I've been t- maybe too much for the audience or it hasn't been quite the right kind of audience for what I do and they've not really understood like Mm. why I'm being so over the top and so sexy. previously that Kitty Valore is a character that you dreamed up about five years ago so how did you get the idea how was she born well I think with stripping everyone has two names don't they so everyone has like multiple identities (laughs) yeah minimum maybe more (laughs) there's always that dancer that changes her name every week (laughs) so it kind of came out of that and um living in this nightlife world which was just completely different and I think Kitty the name it kind of makes me think of like femme fatales and femme fatales are quite feline like mm. quite aloof quite nonchalant very demanding always call the shots cats are always <laughs> in charge <laughs> um, so it kind of that's the whole energy behind that name um, I don't think when I picked that name that I realized it was like the most common burlesque name ever <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I feel like it's nice in a way because um, it's, I carry on the legacy of all these sexy mm. femmes over time that have been called Kitty. <laughs> yeah. um, but on a deeper level, I think it was a way to like reinvent myself, um, choose the aspirational qualities and just become someone else, become someone else that is better or someone that... Um, my maybe normal persona can't really access and that Mm. was quite quite liberating at the time and um quite healing as well it was a way for me to improve myself I think so what were characteristics of 
Kitty Valore that you didn't have that you wanted to create with this character? Um, just like everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like before I started stripping, I didn't feel like I was, I was, but still, I still am, but like quite shy, um, not very confident, not very outgoing, um, maybe not always feeling like I can be my full sparkly extra self, like feeling too self-conscious to be able to, to, to go for those things. Um, whereas with Kitty, I feel like she gives zero fucks and she doesn't have those kind of setbacks or, or doubts about her mm. herself. So, but it's kind of weird because for me, I live like as Kitty as well. Like all my friends call me Kitty. So like my personal and my professional life are kind of like intertwined. Whereas I know <laughs> some people it's very separate. Um, but for me, it's like, it's all kind of. Mm. mishmashed together (laughs) yeah it's so interesting I mean Beyonce right has talked about how her onstage character is Sasha Fierce and yeah yeah it seems to sort of um yeah kind of reflect some of the things that you just said about this person is really uninhibited like gives no shits and will just go out yeah I I feel like it's easier to tap into that when you're when you like name that part of your identity it has a name it has a fully fledged character persona so it's quite easy to tap in and out of that because it's quite detailed and I think it's um I think all of us have those aspects of our personality but we might not necessarily have like names for them Mm. and it just makes it easier I think it just takes you out of yourself and helps you transcend yourself Mm. um but yeah like identity is such a weird thing like I feel like for me like I, I for a time I wanted to be like Kitty and I didn't want to be myself it was like an escapism so it was a way for me to kind of not deal with trauma in my personal life kind of shelf that for a bit and then just focus on growing into the best person I could be through through Kitty so Mm. for me my stage persona really like helped me in in a very deep sense in my life and to, to help me heal from things makes total sense that you've kind of come up through the drag and cabaret scene as well because it seems to be such a thing with drag artists of creating a really fierce version to yeah allow other things to sort of take their time (laughs) a little bit more behind the scenes yeah yeah it's a bit like a shield as well like to protect yourself I feel very protective over like being um Jasmine which is my real name I feel like really protected of her like I can't show her to anyone she's too vulnerable (laughs) but um yeah because I used to be really funny about people calling me by my real name and like it was only something like the doctor in the bank and stuff like that so I Mm. think it's being being at one with yourself and sometimes for a lot of performers we feel like our stage personas are so wonderful that we'll never be anything in comparison that will be quite (laughs) quite ordinary or will be disappointing if people know who we really are so there's that kind of like it's a protective thing as well 
I had a really awkward week where I did a comedy show on a Wednesday where there was this couple in the audience who they were really nice they were really going for it and we had a chat afterwards and then I'd kind of like quit stripping by that point but Jonah Starry was doing a fuck you pay me and was like it was a fun pop-up thing and went do you want to come and do a dance and I went yeah I want to make some money so sure and the same couple turned up and went for a private dance and like I recognized them instantly because we'd had a chat and I was like I know you guys you're the vegan couple and they went for a private dance and it was really fun but afterwards they gave me they were angling for a threesome they gave me their card as like hey but I really felt like you've definitely seen the like best versions of this everything else is just going to be like a sweaty anxious normal person (laughs) you've already had the best show honestly like (laughs) don't come for the (laughs) b-side you're very open on social media I actually think you're one of the best people on social media generally like you're so good at it but you're super open about your life and your political views as well as obviously using social media as a workspace do you ever feel like there's a pressure to keep up a kind of like a brand or a fantasy version of yourself online yeah yeah definitely I think I feel I feel I've felt like that for a long time but like I feel like I can't post something that's just like a cake like (laughs) I feel like I need to post something that's like really extra or bendy or sparkly (laughs) um or on the other side of things um sometimes people uh ask me to talk about certain things or um can you make a post about this can you share this and obviously Mm. like I want to use my platform in a way that is uplifting others and helping others but sometimes it feels like a lot of like responsibility like it's a big responsibility to be able to talk about all mm. the social justice things that need to be talked about um and doing it in a way that is gonna kind of um fit in with everything else that's on there would you mind giving an example if it's not putting other people in an awkward position of something that you would have liked to promote but it's just too messy or it didn't fit with everything else you post I think it was it was um around the time that we did that online show together um and it was it was to do with like the sex workers and it was something that I wanted to talk about but it was just like I had to sit down and like write a long mm. post about it and it takes so long to write these posts and um someone had just commented like can you talk about this or like why have you not said anything about this yet and I was like I will like I'm getting there but like it's just it takes a lot of energy to kind of write something out so that was just like one example of something I would I wanted to talk about but it it took a lot of a lot of time to put it together (laughs) did it feel more difficult because it wasn't speaking from your own experience that it's someone else's story Yeah, definitely, because you want to portray um, things accurately and you have to be careful because sometimes as well you make mistakes of maybe you've referenced something wrong or, yeah, if you're speaking on behalf of another community, you have to make sure that you get everything right. Mm. Um, And, for example, Gemma Rose made that infographic and... Sorry, what was the what was the infographic about? Oh, it was about um, different words that you can use instead of exotic. So, dif- mm. yeah, different ways that you can describe classes or the style, like, you know, sexy, heels, flow, fiery, or di- different kinds of words. We had some feedback on it and we needed to change it. But, like, also people can be quite mean and 
like oh you've done it wrong like you can't say this because it's not okay for this community it's like oh the, we're learning as we're going along as well like people think like what we're saying is like set in stone forever mm. and it's like no we're just learning as we're going and sharing things as we go but also yeah you have to be careful that you don't get things like too wrong <laughs> I hope you can post a cake one day. I will like it, <laughs> even if it's not like, even if it's just a banana bread. <laughs> it's um, a related theme, but within, especially for creative freelancers, where you have to be constantly promoting and marketing your stuff, it can be really disheartening if you're in a period where you're struggling, but you're having to keep pushing your work out there. How do you stay motivated um, if you run into a rough patch? I think sometimes things fall apart so they can fall back together in an even better way. So even when things go wrong, I try to always see every every obstacle as an opportunity to maybe look at things a different way mm. or take a break or shake things up a little bit. Um, so I always try to find the silver lining, um, which I think is really important. Like I really love mindset things and things to do with personal development and like getting into a more positive mindset with things because then I feel like you attract more positive things that way. Yeah, and I also think like the hustle culture in terms of like you can only be successful if you work yourself to the ground or if you're working like extortionate hours. And I don't think that's true. Like I, I think you need to look after yourself, take breaks, self-care, enjoy your life now as well. Don't think like, oh, I'll enjoy myself when I'm making this much money or I've done this certain project. Like you don't have to live like that, I think. That's amazing. Okay, I have a few a few quick fire questions just to finish up is there a dream pull trick that you're currently working on so I'm kind of working on my bird of paradise at the moment I can do it but I haven't mm -hmm. done it in front of live audiences yet <laughs> um and I'll try to describe it it's it's requires leg flexibility and shoulder flexibility and you're upside mm -hmm. down hanging off one leg and then you pull one leg towards your shoulder, lock it in with your arms and then release the other leg off the pole and then you're in a sort of diagonal split thing wow. spinning around and you feel like your chest is going to explode <laughs> because your shoulders are working so hard. But yeah, that's my, my dream trick that I'm trying to perfect and done it on my own I've done it in a photo shoot but now I just need to put it in a show and do it in mm. front of real people's <laughs> dream collaborators who would you most like to collaborate on a show or a project with oh this is another really hard one um, <laughs> I mean I feel like Britney Spears should collaborate with me because yes! I just dance to all of her songs all the time <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, also, I've watched a documentary about Pink recently, and I didn't realise in her shows how much aerial stuff that she does. Mm. Like, it's amazing. I'd love to be in one of her shows. It's incredible. Last person I wanted to mention that I'd love to collaborate with, like, with the with Bimini, Bamboolash, and the United Kingdoms, all of them. I just love them so much. Um, and I remember, like... Being with Bimini at um, Bethnal Green Workingmen's Club, and she was like mm. doing like tickets on the door, and like now wow. she's like superstar of the world. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I would love to do some pole things with her because she's just super bendy. Yeah, that would be so cool. Also, the like collision of both of your imaginations would be yeah. amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and finally, 
for all performers or creative people who are, I don't know, maybe feeling a bit stuck and want to make their stuff more fantastical, what is your advice? I think don't be afraid to be ridiculous and allow your imagination to run wild. Go big, bold colours, the wackier the better. Obscure references, like just be silly. (laughs) Don't take life too seriously. Just go for it. Yay. Oh my God, what an amazing (laughs) note to finish on. Kitty, it has been a delight to chat to you as always. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Where can people find you online? So you can find me at kitty underscore velour on Instagram, the main place where I'm at. Um, I also have a Patreon so you can subscribe and take weekly zoom classes and then there's like hundreds of tutorials on there pole floor work twerk chair and that's just um patreon.com slash kitty velour yeah and the podcast the pussy parlor podcast is on spotify acast spotify apple podcast yes you can go and listen to it loads of amazing (laughs) guests of all kind of performance walks of life on there yay you heard it go listen to it Paul the Other One was produced and hosted by me, Shandoxy, with original music by Amelia Baylor. You can support the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com shandoxy. You can buy the pot a coffee or give us a shout out on social media. Thank you. That is mega appreciated. Also, if any of these conversations inspire you to take a pole class or to get on stage, please tag us in your videos using the handle at poll the other one, plus whichever guest it was who got you on the hot rod. That would make our lives. Thanks for listening. Have fun on all your sexy stick adventures, and see you later. Po, 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 the other one.